the historic bells of Albany City Hall. Welcome to Albany Street, a public affairs presentation of Albany Broadcasting. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Albany Street. This is a new voice. Yes, my name is Brian Cady. I am now the new host for Albany Street. So first quick thank uh, Mr. Joe Condon for everything he did for the Capital District uh, throughout his radio career. Just uh, amazing what he was able to do and with community awareness and public affairs and the sorts. So obviously a big thank you to Joe for everything he did. And a special thank you, obviously, to management here within Albany Broadcasting for entrusting me to fill the chair. It's not going to be easy to fill those shoes of Mr. Condon, but uh, obviously it's uh, it's a great honor to be here. And I hope I can do do the job as as well as he did. That being said, uh, for my first show, a uh, little bit... A little bit, a little bit craziness here because I got, I got brought in here to take over the show, and then we're trying to figure out what well, was my first guest and blah blah blah. Well, I, I have, I always have somebody on deck because as a, as a baseball mind, you got to make sure that you have somebody ready to rock and roll when you need to call that arm out of the bullpen. I have somebody who has been active in the local beauty queen circuit. She probably can do the alphabet, alphabet backwards and forwards within 10 seconds. I might have to test that later. We can do it. And, uh, yeah, uh, some might say she's a classic overachiever. I just call her a tremendous hand for the community at large in the capital region. The one and only, Lexi Conti. Lexi, hello. Hi, Brian. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Now, for background information, the reason I use the, the baseball analogy of bringing an arm out of the bullpen is that uh, Miss Conti and I, we met because I do PA announcing for a collegiate summer baseball team, the Amsterdam Mohawks, out at Shuttleworth Park in Amsterdam, where I live. And Lexi was an intern over the summer for the broadcast arm of the organization, uh, helping out Ian Nicholas with his online broadcasts of the games. And yeah, I, we got to know each other, and now she's here in the studio, stuck with me for another 25 minutes, so <laughs> I don't know. Welcome in. How are you? Good. How are you? I am doing fantastic. I know you have a very busy schedule right now because you work two jobs, you're a full-time student, blah, blah, blah. So let's just get right into it. Between full-time college student at UAlbany, between that and all the stuff you do involved with when you were Miss Fonda Fair, and now you're... Gonna be going for Miss Fulton County. Um, two jobs, all the community service you do. Do you sleep at all? I do. I I go to bed by nine p.m. Actually, I love my sleep, so I do make sure to get it. But I'm usually up by six a.m., so I get an adequate amount of sleep. I would say. I don't understand it because <laughs> I see if if you want an example of what this young lady does, she's 21 and just is rocking in the community, doing a whole bunch of stuff, but. Let's just go into the background first. Uh, a graduate fond of Fultonville High School. Then you had in, you've had an interesting college journey where you started at Sage. Then you went on to Maria College to finish your nursing degree. And now you're pre-communications at UAlbany. Mm-hmm. Why the transition? So I was at Russell Sage and then transferred to Maria College for my nursing degree. And I ended up co- having a medical issue that left me unable to finish my nursing um, schooling, which was unfortunate, but I've always loved talking to people. And like you said, I love being active in my community. So I thought pre-communications would be the perfect, you know, transition for me. 
because there's an endless amount of opportunity in that um, career field. So I decided to go to UAlbany. I absolutely love it there. I love my communications courses. So I'm really excited to see where that all brings me. And it's intriguing because at one point, uh, this was, I'm not sure how long this was, so I'm sure you'll fill in the blanks. Um, You actually were a student cabinet member under Assemblyman Angelo Santa Barbara, who I go back a number of years with. So I and he's obviously uh, a frequent visitor of the Amsterdam Mohawks as well, so I'm sure um, that's 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 lovely for me personally. Um, how, when did this happen? Was this during high school that this happened? Yes, it was uh, my senior year of high school. So he had a student cabinet that was open to seniors specifically at the time and then open to high school students um, ultimately who were interested in history and politics. And I've always loved U.S. history. It's my favorite subject, which is super strange for me, but because um, none of my family members really like history, but that's okay. And I decided I wanted to be a part of a student cabinet, so we got to go down to the Capitol, and it gave um, high school students a first-hand insight as to what like the political realm was it like. And it was really intriguing and interesting, and I loved it. He's a great politician, and. He really does a lot of good for our community, too. So I thought it would be really easy for me to see eye to eye with his concepts. And I most definitely do. Now, let's just let's just dive into the the obvious elephant in the room that I mentioned when I introduced you. Beauty pageants. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll admit, I'm not exactly a huge beauty pageant person. Like I don't go on my way to go watch Miss Universe or Mm -hmm. Miss USA it's just not my thing personally, mm-hmm. but I respect it. Like, I mean, right. Lexi Swat, for example, great friends with her. She works over at WMIT now in mm-hmm. their sports department. So, like, I-, I learned little bits and pieces while she interned with the Mohawks. For you, though, it started at a really young age. Mm-hmm. Was this something that you were interested in right off the bat that caught your eye, like from TV or something? Was this a family thing? So my babysitter was competing in small pageants at the time that were um, fundraisers for the Miss Mohawk Valley scholarship competition. So they, you know, you paid a small entry fee to compete and all that money went to the scholarships that they gave out to young women in the community um, during their time of competing. And she had asked my mom if my sister and I would be interested. My mom was like, I have no idea what you're even talking about, but let's ask the girls if they want to do it. So we did. And I really... I don't remember. I was three, so I'm not going to lie and say I remember. But I don't remember. But I did love it because I've continued to do it ever since then. But the Miss America organization, a lot of people don't realize it's now a scholarship competition. It always has been a scholarship competition. But Miss America went from a change of Miss America to Miss America 2.0, where they got rid of the swimsuit competition. So it's more inclusive for young women. And it's actually the leading scholarship provider um, in North America for college um, students or women for example and I believe this past July was the Miss America's Outstanding Teen competition and I would have to double check but I believe they gave out 1.3 million dollars in in-kind scholarships so it's great I've been able to pay for my college education um, you know by myself working my two jobs as well as with the help of the Miss America organization so that's one of the reasons why I'm so involved with it I really like that it gives back to the community I'm also really good friends with Lexi Swat. So when I was Junior Princess Fonfair, she was Junior Miss Fonfair. So we go we go way back. Lexi's good people. She and is. if uh, if she's listening, hi. Hi Lexi. <laughs> we love um, you. Um <laughs> I sh- I should be seeing her in a couple weeks anyway, so it's all good. Um but I mean, I, like I'm looking at this. Miss New York State Princess 
uh, you were Miss Fonda Fair, still are, or are you just, that's right, that just finished up, mm-hmm. right, for you? Yep. Okay. Um, and then you said you, you, you also said you were doing Miss Fulton County. Is that coming up in the near future? Yep. Miss Fulton County will be, um, November 11th, I believe, the Saturday. Maybe it's the 12th. The 11th would be Friday night, which is our rehearsal, and then the 12th is the competition. But two weekends ago, I competed at the Miss Adirondack and Miss Thousand Island Scholarship Competition, and I walked away with $600 in scholarships for the Miss Congeniality Award, as well as $500 um, Community Service Award. So I had had to uh, write an essay about all the community service activities I have done, and I was really honored to get that award because my community is so important to me, and I do spend a lot of time involved in giving back as much as I possibly can. So I don't want to brag about the work that I do, but it's very, you know, it's honoring to know that other people recognize that the dedication I have. And we'll definitely cover the work you've done uh, in a in part two, but I just want to I just want to wrap up part one real quick by mm-hmm. mentioning, um, real quick. So in the midst of all this, competitive dancer. First off, what type of dancing are we talking about here? So I grew up mostly doing clogging, actually. Clogging, which is funny, right? Because it's more of either a real South style of dance or like Canadian, but not something you typically find in Fulton Montgomery County. That's right. Um, but I loved clogging. I placed first place um, at multiple dance competitions with it. But I also did contemporary, um, you know, hip hop, jazz, you know, your main styles of dance that you would see in Fulton and Montgomery County. But I ended up having two knee surgeries my senior year of high school. And I am out of commission right now when it comes to dancing. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate because I was about to say, uh, so if you're a fan of the, the show, so you think you can dance, uh, Coming up is the audition of Lexi. No, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, right. Um, not even not not even a chance anymore. Um, if they would, if they like clogging, maybe we could take a <laughs> word at it. But I don't know how good that would go. Maybe we'll find a local festival that would appreciate and embrace the clogging. That's right. Bit. We'll okay. have to, or we can make one. Don't you give me ideas. <laughs> don't you give me any ideas, young lady. I've got a lot on my plate, but I'll make room for that. Yeah, we'll make room. For yeah, that. of course. All right, so uh, we're just going to take a quick time out. When we get back, part two with Lexi Conti. The historic bells of Albany City Hall return us to Albany Street, a public affairs presentation of Albany Broadcasting. And welcome back for part two of Albany Street. I'm Brian Cady. This is my first show, so if... If, uh, you know, if I have a little difficulty, bear with me, because I said so. Uh, I am here with, still with uh, Lexi Conti. Hello. Howdy. Um, so I, I have to bring up something uh, to start off our talk about, like, all the service you've done and the, uh, the, the, the stuff that holds near and dear to your heart. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, I need you to understand something. This woman has done basically a full year's worth of hours of community service. Just rough. I mean, your resume says over six thousand hours. Mm-hmm. Like, that's remarkable. I mean, Thank like, you. why is like I don't I don't know why I'm questioning why you're so giving, <laughs> but it's just like I've never heard of somebody doing so much community service, especially for somebody your age who's just twenty one. Mm-hmm. Like, what inspired you to be so active within your community and and do the things that you do? 
Well, I really have to attribute a lot of it to the Miss America organization because there's four points of the crown when it comes to Miss America because obviously there are four points of the crown that you wear during your year of service. And they stand for scholarship, style, success, and service. And the service aspect has always been something extremely important to me. I remember doing small community service acts as a child growing up with, you know, sister queens throughout our year of service. And it's just very fulfilling. And it almost, it doesn't seem like I'm, you know, when I sit and see how much I've done, it seems so minuscule to like the impacts I've made. Like, I just, I love animals. So a lot of my service is helping out um, animal shelters, the suicide prevention task force in Montgomery County. And there's never something that I'm not willing to do. You know, if there's an event that they need people to you know, speak at or people to volunteer at, I'm more than happy to go just because it's something that I truly love doing. I never feel like it's something that's being forced. And I think that's the most important part of it. It has to come for your heart. And it always does for me. And your social impact initiative that you reference um, within your resume, because I, I have it written in my hand right mm-hmm. now, uh, it, it, you title it Secondhand Animals Make First Class Pets. And I know that there's been a lot of talk in general within those in the animal community about breeding versus adopting and like it's a very interesting debate that goes back and forth because i feel like just in general um with breeding you have to do a ton more research and make sure uh, not just about like the dogs you're looking into but the breeder themselves Mm -hmm. whereas with adoption all the information is basically right there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, as somebody, as I know, a, fr- a friend of mine works at the Mohawk Hudson Humane Society. Um, like, she's a huge advocate as well. Um, wh- wh- how did that become something you were an advocate for as far as pet adoption is concerned? So my first ever pet, we had a long-haired St. Bernard named Katie. And my parents had always wanted a St. Bernard. I don't know why, but they did. They loved them. And we rescued her from a family who was moving and they were going to leave her behind. And she was, you know, the best friend I had growing up. Then we got our other St. Bernard, Daisy. So we had two at the time and Katie ended up passing away. But she really was like, she was always there for you. You know, you'd go home being upset and she would greet you with a wagging tail and a drooly kiss because St. Bernards are known for their enormous amounts of drool. But I've always loved animals. Um, I have three dogs right now and a cat. So if I could have every animal, I probably would. My mom gets a little nervous, to be honest with you, when I go to, you know, adoption clinics and everything, because I always will call her and be like, look at this poor kitten. And she's just like, absolutely not. We do not have any more time for any more animals. So because I know that I can't help them by giving them a home, I really like to promote you know, helping other people find them. I just recently donated um, some goods this past weekend from the Alexis Conti Animal Advocacy Award that I had started this year for the Miss Fonda Fair contestants. They got to bring, you know, goods and monetary donations to donate to animal shelters. So we raised over $700 um, cash and then over 2,000 like actual items to bring to these shelters. So brought some stuff to the Amsterdam Kitten Adoption, um, Ayers Animal Shelter, where I mostly spend my time, as well as the James Brennan Society. So I'm always posting the animals um, that are for adoption on my page. My mom gets really nervous when I come home because she, now that I'm 21, you know, she doesn't have to be there with me if I want to adopt um, a pet. I know I would not have enough time, but there's just 
there's not enough um, volunteers in those kind of organizations and it's all volunteer based. So they need as much help as they can get. And I really like to talk to people about how it doesn't have to be hands on. You don't have to be at the shelter. You can be posting about things. You can donate money. When I was at the Amsterdam kitten adoption this past weekend, um, the woman named Gina, she was telling me a story about this elderly woman who was upset she couldn't you know, give a lot of money to their cause. And she said, you don't realize it's $17 um, to treat about, I think she said, 20 cats for an illness. So $1 makes a huge difference when it comes to that. So it doesn't have to be huge amounts of money or a ton of goods that you're bringing. There's so many small ways that we can help, and that's something that's really important to me. So we learned two things. Oh, there's actually no, there's two. There's one thing we learned and one thing you need to research. Number one, if you're not worried about how St. Bernard's are with their kisses, go watch (laughs) all the Beethoven movies, Mm -hmm. uh, number one. Number two, uh, we now know that there's anybody in the capital region that's going to be building an ark and collecting the animals during any kind of mass flood, we can call Lexi Conti and she'll take care of that. Yes, um, if you have um, wood donations to help me build that ark, you let me know. Right. And we will get it done. Right. So if Curtis Lumber's listening, you know. Call me. Yeah, call Lexi. <laughs> um, now, I'm just, Ayers Animal Shelter, $3,000 for local I I just, I, I'm amazed by all this. And the other, and the other stuff also... Um, number one, uh, you also help during the holiday season with uh, food pantries as well. Mm-hmm. Any particular pantry specifically or just... Uh... Yep. Last year um, was the Helping Hands Food Pantry in St. Johnsville and they service Montgomery County. And, um, you know, they'll never turn anyone away. So if you need help, you're more than welcome to go there. Um, the Miss Fonda Fair Corps, we did a few raffle basket fundraisers and we raised over $800, which actually we were able to make sure that all families had a turkey for Thanksgiving that go to that um, you know, food pantry, which was just amazing. I think the holidays are really hard times for some people as well. So making sure they didn't have the burden of being concerned whether they were going to be able to feed their family or not was something that was really important to me. And I was really happy that we were able to help out. And, you know, I look forward to helping out this holiday season, too, in any aspect that I can. You mentioned certain people having trouble during the holidays. Um and this is actually a, a good transition to what I want to discuss with you next. I personally am not a fan of Halloween anymore. Now, it has nothing to do with the children, has nothing to do with the candy, has nothing to do with the fact that it's a, a candy holiday. It has nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. I unfortunately had a couple of friends pass away from suicide mm-hmm. um, within, well, I think it was within a year of each other. And they both happened to be literally the week of Halloween. It was very eerie the way it happened. Um, but you ha- are a tremendous advocate as well for national suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that, is there a personal story to that as well? Yeah, I lost one of my best friends in 2020 to suicide, um, Bailey Field. And it was, um, I think it was eye-opening for our community, I should say, because she was a huge advocate for animals as well which is partially the reason why I love giving back to the animals if I can, because I knew that she would also be doing so. So um, the Montgomery County Suicide Prevention Task Force is um, something that I'm very close with, and I tried to do different fundraisers for them. I'm still selling suicide prevention stickers right now that say the National Suicide Hotline on them, and all of the proceeds go half to the Suicide Prevention Task Force and then half to the Baileyfield Memorial Scholarship. So I'm just... Yeah, it's and it, the unfortunate thing is, it, it it's a it's obviously been a big thing, especially since COVID, with um with people being sheltered and more 
you know, within their own confined spaces. It, it's been hard. It had been hard for a little while there for people to get out and get some fresh air, enjoy themselves, um, try to bring joy into their own lives. And obviously that's a, a, a big thing that a lot of people have been trying to work through the last couple of years. Your, your thoughts about it personally, like how, how do you feel about now that things have really opened back up in general, do you think there's a turn there? Things are better for people overall? I don't, I truly don't think so. I work at a doctor's office, so I can see firsthand how many people are being, you know, re- referred to mental health, um, you know, seeing different therapists or getting different care. And the most unfortunate part of it is we, because things are opening back up, we don't have the resources anymore. You know, you're waiting three to six months to get in to see a psychiatrist or to see a therapist. And the thing that's important to realize is someone who is having suicidal ideations and, you know, those thoughts, they don't have three to six months to wait. They need help. So I think it's really hard. There's not a good enough balance right now in the healthcare system to be able to accommodate all the people who need help. So it's very important that, you know, individuals are still reaching out for help and we can try in multiple different ways. I know um, St. Mary's has an open access clinic where you can go um, during a time of crisis. You know, there's emergency rooms. No one's going to turn you away, but it's very difficult to be able to accommodate everyone, which I think is part of the reason why we're seeing such high rates of suicide um, as well as you know increasing depression anxiety and mental health issues especially with teenagers and college students yeah. obviously um like the, the main message uh, as somebody who is dealing with depression personally mm-hmm. um it's 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 okay to not be okay is the best way for me to sum it up i know mm-hmm. it, it sounds like a very generic statement that you you've probably heard over and over again through like different tv campaigns or radio campaigns about suicide but but seriously and and that's the one thing i had to learn because growing up i always internalized everything because i felt like i was taking on the pressures you know living in a single mother household as being the man of the house mm-hmm. so i always internalized a lot of stuff so seriously though that's the one, that's the biggest thing i had to learn it's not afraid. It's 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 okay to be not be okay, mm-hmm. and it's 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 okay to vocalize that and and find somebody that you can confide in, even if it's not a therapist, if it's just some somebody that's a loved one that you trust, you know, a thousand percent. It's my okay Facebook and my Instagram are always open if anyone ever needs to talk to someone. Um, I also need. It's important to recognize there's some online resources now too. You know, telehealth services, video services um, through your insurance companies are you know, capable now. I believe 988 is now the new number that you dial um, for the suicide hotline. Um, you can also text people. You don't, if, you know, talking to someone verbally is a little less comforting and you'd prefer to text, you can also do that. So there's so many different resources. Um, I just don't think there's enough people talking about those resources that you have. So it's important to have conversations like these to make people aware because you never know what someone's going through. And we need to be mindful of that. We need to be kind to each other. And, you know, just, I mean, it takes a community to help other people out. So like Brian said, you can reach out to, you know, a loved one, a teacher. I mean, there's just so many different resources. It doesn't have to be a medical um, personnel. It can be someone that you trust and someone who's going to really value what you're saying and listen to you. And that's the most important part of it. Sometimes it takes a village. Best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, Lexi, I really appreciate you coming in. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Not a problem. And that does it for this episode of Albany Street with Lexi Conti. If you have any questions, comments, maybe guest suggestions, 
We have an email address open for that, albanystreetradio at gmail.com. That email comes to me directly, so I will definitely read any and all questions, comments, concerns, guest suggestions, and uh, maybe we'll even read an email on the air. That being said, once again, thank you to Lexi Conti, and this has been Albany Street for Sunday. October 16, 2022. Enjoy your week, folks. The historic bells of Albany City Hall close out another edition of Albany Street, a public affairs presentation of Albany Broadcasting. This program, pre-recorded.